welcome to The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, founder and host of this podcast. I created The Brand is Female so that powerful women could share their journey to unlocking their own potential, to empower others, and to inspire change. It's Art Toronto this weekend, Canada's International Contemporary and Modern Art Fair, and I had a few discussions with leading Canadian women artists to highlight this important event. It's not easy being a woman artist. There are no women in the top 0.03% of the auction market, where 41% of the profit is concentrated. Overall, 96% of artworks sold at auction are by male artists, and we won't even get started with representation in museums around the world. Today, my guest is Janet Werner, a Winnipeg-born, Montreal-based painter. Janet's work is presented at Art Toronto, and her solo show actually opens at the start of November at the Museum of Contemporary Art of Montreal. Janet has studied at the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore. She went on to attend Yale, where she received her Master's of Fine Arts. She has been teaching painting and drawing first at the University of Saskatchewan and eventually Concordia University when she moved to Montreal in 1999. Janet is known for her large-scale fictional portraits, mostly of women. She's been focusing on this genre since 1997. She explores themes of subjectivity and desire by producing composites of found images, mostly gathered from fashion magazines. As always, if you like our show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. My name is Janet Werner, and I'm a painter, and we're here in my studio. Janet, thank you so much for having me here in your lovely studio in Montreal. Um, I love being surrounded by all these women looking at us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's no escape. (laughs) Yep, exactly. I I do feel pairs of eyes on me. and uh, but yeah, they 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 look friendly. <laughs> it's a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. Well, most of them. Yeah. Um, as we're as you're about to open a show at the Musée d'Art Contemporain very shortly, uh, we are also just before Art Toronto, where uh, some of your show is also exhibited. So a busy time for you, a very exciting time. And before we talk about recent projects, I do want to go back in time and ask you about growing up uh, as, a, as a young woman. Were you already dreaming uh, about becoming a painter, an artist? And what were your aspirations back then? And how did you get to where you are today? Okay, well, it's a bit of a winding road. <laughs> but I, did, I was always interested in the arts. And my first desire was to be a dancer, actually. And I did study dance very intensively at Win- in Winnipeg, where I grew up, at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. Mm-hmm. I, I was from about 13 to 16, I would say. I, was, I thought I was maybe going to pursue a career in dance. Mm. And uh, I ended up feeling that it wasn't the right path for a number of reasons and um, I at the same time was taking drawing classes and I was interested in writing so there was always it wasn't visual art but there was always a passion for making and creating and that being in a creative sort of uh, milieu I suppose Mm -hmm. although I mean I was isolated I wasn't in a milieu but I was I was always attracted to literature, dance, not music, except mm. through dance. Right. 
Um, and visual art was an interesting um, thing because my grandmother was a visual artist. She oh, was really? a painter. Yes. Wow. Okay. So I did grow up with surrounded by paintings. Mm. Um, she wasn't exhibiting, but she, you know, it was more in the family. Right. Um, and my mother is an interior designer, and my sister's okay. an interior designer. So, and my dad's an eye doctor. Oh, okay. Was an eye doctor. <laughs> so we were all involved in what I, uh, you know, the visual. Visual, yeah. World yeah. somehow. And uh, it was actually uh, my sister who was the artist in the family, the visual artist. She mm -hmm. had a sort of a natural ability to draw. And so I thought that was taken, that was mm, covered. That was hers. <laughs> that was hers. And, um, but I was drawing my own. I took classes at the Winnipeg Art Gallery and I, I just loved it. And uh, anyway, she, I did a, a period of time where I was studying literature uh, and philosophy at the University of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I was in and out of liberal arts programs for about four years and then finally, uh, I just didn't feel that that was the right path. Mm -hmm. I'm not creative enough. It was very academic, right? Okay. And my sister noticed that I was just drawing all the time on my own, and she said she thought I should go into fine arts, and I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, she gave me permission. Basically. Okay, okay. And from was your sister on, older than you? Yeah, two years. Two years old. Yeah, so, so then I went into fine arts, and I went straight through six years, like undergraduate, graduate, mm -hmm. And, um, and then I started teaching art. And <laughs> when, so. you, when you made that shift, did it feel more natural to you to be drawing painting as opposed to dancing? I wouldn't say more natural, um, but just as compelling, just as I felt. When I went to art, to art school, I, I don't think I've ever been as happy in my life. I was like, I just knew it was right. It was, okay. like, it was definitely, I was hungry for what... I was learning, and I just, I was, I just loved it. Mm -hmm. So it, it definitely felt right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think there is a connection between the gesture of dance mm -hmm. and the gesture of painting. Like the, it is the body you you are making with your body, mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 I do think about that even now. Like the movement of the paint, it's, mm -hmm. about, it's a lot about movement, mm -hmm. and so yeah, I think it's connected. Um, and the nonverbal aspect. Oh of it. yeah. Mm. So uh, it felt yeah, it definitely felt right. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of blows my mind that I was able to find something that I could keep going and keep learning. And always feel like it opens up. It's mm. always opening up. It never gets really. Bo it never gets boring. Right. So like, I feel very lucky because <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a problem for some people. It's true. Yeah. Right. And were there any women artists who you, whose work you admired or who maybe you looked up to as role models? At the time, you know, more and more, that, that sort of came later, I, I think. At the time, I mean, I, I studied, you know, art history and most of the models were male. Most mm. of the artists I was studying were, were male. But um, let's see, when I went to graduate school, there were women faculty members who represented to me the possibility that, yes, you too could be an artist. Mm -hmm. You could and have a career be in as the an world. artist. Mm. So they meant a lot to me, the, the, the women faculty members who visited studios in grad school. 
don't think I had any significant undergraduate teachers who were women, mm. though. And you said, you know, you studied a lot of male artists at that time. Mm-hmm. Was it something that you questioned or bothered you until you met those women in your graduate studies? Um, or was it just not something you questioned at that time? That's just how it was. I mean, I was so in love with everything at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was learning so much. Mm. You know, I, I don't matter. think I questioned it at that point. Mm. I knew, I mean, I knew when I was in graduate school that, you know, there was a big difference between, you know, the men and the women in terms mm. of um, faculty members. Mm and how, you know, how they spoke and everything. So it became more of an issue after I left school, I think. Okay. Yeah. And how, how did the issue present itself? Well, I was hired into a department of all men <laughs> at the University of Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah. Um, there was one art historian who was female but mm. um, in studio arts it was it was all men at mm-hmm. that moment and I when I went for my interview there were like 10 or 11 men in the room and mm. I was I was the only woman right so and then you know it's the whole just culture, like the corporate world <laughs> yeah I mean the whole culture of that department was it was so dominated by by men but there was you know the new art history at that time and feminists thought was very in Canada at that moment mm. in the 90s was was really undoing a lot of the you know institutional thinking so I became really aware of that and also because um, the work I was making was different mm. it, it was different and it wasn't accepted easily in right. that environment and I was aware of the difference and um, I mean, it was a, I don't know if it was lonely or anything. I was still developing and evolving the work at that time. I was in, living in Saskatoon. Right. So it was, a, it was a, I guess, a, form, a very formative period, both in terms of teaching and my work and, and sort of figuring out how to identify what I was doing as different. Mm-hmm. I mean, feminist thinking was, was important for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when you, I mean, they, they gave you the job, right, at the mm-hmm. university, so even though you were one of the very few women among the men. And how, how was that perceived, or how was your work accepted once you did start teaching and working on, alongside that group of men? And did you, did you find you had to kind of prove yourself over and over? Yeah, for sure, I had to prove myself. Um, I had no exhibition history at that time. I was actually hired right out of graduate school, which right. is not that common now. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about exhibiting at that time. In fact, I had to exhibit in order to get tenure. Okay. It was part of the conditions okay. of the job. If I hadn't had to, I don't know what would have happened to me. <laughs> I may never have had a show. I'm not sure. But um, how, at that time, how did your work reflect that feminist um, conviction? How did yeah. feminism make its way into your actual work? I was working fairly abstractly. There were, there were, this was before I started doing portraits. And I was thinking about the work in terms of pre-linguistic experience. Okay. You know, um, even the portraits were sort of about that. Um, 
in my mind, I was working on a very small scale, very which which, which was already against the sort of mm. macho ma yeah. sort of masculine imperative to work large, large scale. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was resisting that, and I was working with formalist abstraction, which was uh, a sort of a school of painting in Saskatchewan, dominated by men and influenced by Clement Greenberg, mm. and. I was doing it differently. I was doing it in. A, I was thinking of. I thought of it as domesticating abstraction and making. I did these installations with multiple small works together that floated on the wall, and they, you had to consider them together. They they were like fragments, and um, so I thought of that as a kind of a form of resistance against the dominant sort of way of presenting, making and presenting mm. work. And it's never been important for me to state overtly that it's feminist right I always sort of expect that somehow it's gonna reveal itself okay. just by how it's different right you know mm -hmm. and that 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 expresses a feminist position because mm. I am a feminist but I don't want my work to be reduced to oh it's about feminist it's issues. Just that. yeah 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 right. mm -hmm. and that does happen sometimes mm. Especially because I do portraits of women. Right. <laughs> and I always get asked, why do you only do women? <laughs> Actually, I was going to ask. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I find it interesting. Um, so from Saskatchewan to Montreal, mm -hmm. um, and tell me about that time uh, arriving at Concordia, mm -hmm. and was there a shift at that point, and, you know, did it influence the work you were doing mm -hmm. um, and also did you walk into a faculty of all men teachers again or was that slightly different it was slightly different yes it was the, it was different yeah um, I moved here uh, in 99 and I had already started doing a series of portraits from imagination mm. and they were kind of in a little a little bit like Rapunzel, a painting you're familiar yes, with. Yes, having just right. purchased it at an auction <laughs> on the Mac. <laughs> so, like that one, they were in, they felt sort of invented. They felt less like they came from fashion and okay. more kind of from imagination. Okay. Um, when I moved to Montreal, I, I shifted, the work shifted, I started looking at secondary sources, mm. primarily fashion magazines. So the work shifted from being, um, there was a curator who, I like the way she um, categorized the work. She called those early figures the forlorn figures. Okay. And she called the next body of work, oh God, what did she call it? Um, something like figures of beauty or something, mm. because I became obsessed with the, the, the visual seduction of what we see in fashion mm. magazines. And, and it's interesting because we're literally sitting among piles of fashion magazines and magazine clippings. Yeah, exactly, which remain a primary source for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I um, yeah, at first I was just allowing myself to be seduced and to try to explore and examine desi things, you know, desire and seduction and notions of 
like beauty, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And then no sooner did that start to that that soon became something I started to try to subvert. Right. Okay. <laughs> so uh, first, I was just looking at it because I, you know, I'm not someone who grew up looking at fashion magazines. I was actually going to ask yeah. when did you start? Yeah, I was going against through? them. I thought they were like bad. Right. Because I grew up, and obviously, I, you know, I work in, in marketing, and a lot of my clients are in fashion, and I grew up loving fashion magazines. Oh, okay. So I had my piles of Vogue. It's always an issue when I move, because I have to get oh. rid of, now I'll send them your way, but I have to get rid of piles and piles of my old, oh, you know, yeah. magazines, because I hoard them. Yeah. Um, but how, how <laughs> when did it start for you? Here, mm-hmm. here. When I moved here, I, I, I would avert my eyes from them when I was growing up. I would, <laughs> I refused to look at them. I thought they were anti-feminist. Right. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and uh, it's quite funny. And I was also taught when I was a student that you shouldn't work from photographs. Okay. Yeah. So they were the taboo. They were ta- there yeah. were two taboos there, like one fashion and yeah. two photographs. Right. Um, but it was it's kind of irresistible material, and it's. It has certainly provided a lot of, you know, fodder for investigation. Hmm. Um, so that was part of my move here was that shift okay. into looking at that material, mm-hmm. and it, that's been just unfolding in different ways over twenty years. So when you work from images, clippings that you find um, that catch your eye. Is it, how do you work with them typically? Is it something that gives you an idea to start or is it something that you add on to work that you've Mm. already started just from imagination? Mm. What's your approach? It depends. Sometimes, uh, initially, there was just a spark. Uh, Something interested me about the image and it could be a color, could be a gesture, it could be... Um, a look, a, um, so it could, it's something there that captures my attention. I just look at thousands and thousands of images, and most of them don't do anything for me. Okay. And every now and then there's something like, oh, that could be a good idea. Mm. So I'll start there. It's just a starting point, and then pretty soon it becomes less interesting as a painting. Okay. And at that point it's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this interesting? <laughs> Um, so that was one way, one approach. But but then um, after the seduction and the beauty things, I started making collages out of them okay. so that I would start with a misdirection rather than starting with the, you know, going directly for something. Okay, yeah. You already give it yeah. kind of a different interpretation. Exactly, just to accelerate the process. Mm. And for a while I was hiding the collage. I was... You know, making the seams invisible mm-hmm. and then playing around with distortion of the body and small heads and big bodies right. or of the reverse right or beast a piece that's part of the of the show at the mac we mm-hmm. clearly see almost like the collage has been represented in, in the painting exactly that's the most recent sort of thing i've been exploring is like what if i show the seams you know what what if we see that it's mm-hmm. pieced together like that mm-hmm. and when someone looks at your painting, what are you hoping they see and how, how do you think they interpret what they look at? Uh, that's, that's a good question and I can answer that <laughs> because I just got a, a message on Instagram from someone who's, who was looking at a painting of mine and she sent me a message and it just said, you make me feel. 
Yeah. And there was like, there was a, a heart or something, but it was just like, that's what I want. I want yeah. people to feel something. Right. So, um, but I want a lot of, I want more than that too. I mean, I want people to, I, I want people's attention to be sustained so that they have something to think about. Feel what like feeling something is important, but also you know, want needing to puzzle over the image and take time to try to interpret it, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't want it to be obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I bury things in them so that that mm -hmm. they release over time. Okay, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and my hope is that people are you know attracted or drawn to it. And mm -hmm. enough to want to engage with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so delighted when it happens. It's a miracle. Mm -hmm. it seems like a miracle. Do you find that important to get feedback from collectors who acquire pieces or who just the public who looks at pieces in a, in a gallery or a show? Do you enjoy getting oh, yes. that feedback? Oh, yes. It's the best. Okay. <laughs> I love it. It's so gratifying. It's so, because, you know, you as an artist, you make things for people. To be seen. To be seen. Yeah. Like, you want, you're trying to engage an audience. At first, it's just yourself. Mm -hmm. You're trying to make yourself interested. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you want it to go somewhere. You yeah. want someone else to... It's um, a communication. Exactly. Yeah, it's not really world. finished until it's in the world. Mm -hmm. And when you get that feedback, it's, it's amazing. It's, mm -hmm. It feels like, oh, you have finished the work. You fulfilled the... The goal of it, in a mm. way, it's it's um it's very interesting actually. You know because, and I'm very fortunate because I have had many opportunities to exhibit mm -hmm. and get feedback and, but putting it out there in the world is part of the process. So, mm. if someone actually buys it and likes it enough to be able to buy it and is able to buy it, that's pretty magnificent. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I want to ask you about the art market and the challenges that come with being a woman, you know, uh, mm -hmm. part of the art market. We still see, uh, you know, most museums, uh, women are underrepresented in collections in most museums um, in a lot of galleries as well. And a lot of uh, studies have been done and statistics released about paintings that um, if they are you know from a male artist will usually have a higher value even for equivalent mm -hmm. experience or equivalent caliber of an artist mm -hmm. um, have have you been met with that challenge and do you think there is a change there is a shift happening in the art world um, to change that reality I mean all I can say is <laughs> Thank God there are women in the gallery world now too, because yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. Um, it is still dominated by men. Yeah. But there are more and more women in positions of authority and power, and that has been supremely important for me. Mm. Generally, most of my support has come from women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the public space is still a space that is male-dominated, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So for young women artists, and you obviously teach to a lot mm -hmm. of them, mm -hmm. um, do you think they have more opportunities than you know women did even five or ten years ago? 
I think so. I do think so. I mean, certainly more than 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. I think it's getting better, but I don't, I don't really yeah. know the answer to that question. We're, we're not there yet, it's in other difficult. words. It's difficult. Oh, no, we're <laughs> yeah. not there yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just looking at the election, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's very hard for women's voices to carry, to be given the authority. Yeah. In a creative field, and I compare to filmmaking, for example, and we saw, you know, the shift in Hollywood with the Me Too mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's had an impact on the art world as well? Or do we need a Me Too moment that's specific to the art world, perhaps? Um, sorry, I'm just like... I'm <laughs> yeah, gonna, totally fine. I've never really <laughs> thought about that aspect of the art world exactly, because I've been protected hmm. in the sense... I mean, I've been working with women gallerists. Right. Well, may, and maybe that, you know, I think I think that was part of the answer, but, but, right? But because male gallerists didn't, weren't interested. Right. You know, yeah. I did approach gallerists, hmm. male gallerists and they were not interested or I mean I interesting so yeah do you know why um do I know why well or is it you know is it just because you're a female artist or is it I think that has a lot to do with it Mm -hmm. yeah I mean because I make the kind of work I make partly because of who I am right who I am is very influenced by the fact that I'm a woman yeah yeah and I I resist certain things and I I um my work embodies other things right right which have not found uh you know the my my work has a lot to do with vulnerability you know mm. and uh that's not necessarily what people want to project in the yeah. gallery yeah right yeah especially male gallerists yeah you know? so um that was frustrating mm. yeah i mean support is so important like you need people to to get behind you and, yeah. and support you even if you're sort of in formation and you're developing and mm. you, that encouragement of someone saying yes I will you know mm-hmm. I'll show your work mm-hmm. and it means so much you know and so I think there is still a struggle but it's so much better mm-hmm. you know I mean if I look at the art world you know, it's true that in institutions women are underrepresented, but mm. if you look at what's happening and what's in the galleries and stuff, yeah, it's, there's yeah. a lot of support for women. So in that sense, there is a change oh, yeah. happening, there is a movement. I think so. Shifting. I definitely think so. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's always going to be complicated. I don't have kids. Okay. Um, and I don't know that I could have navigated my career with kids. I don't think mm. I could have. Right. And I made I'm like, I made that choice because I'm selfish. <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. And it's just it's different. Like I do believe women are different than men. Right. And our life uh, trajectories are different. Yeah. And so it you know when people ask me why do I only paint women mm-hmm. part of the answer is because I I understand women better yes yeah. like I get women um, I was gonna ask would you ever paint men so you know and maybe with the same process there are images of men in you know fashion magazines for example mm-hmm. could there ever be a male figure there that appears be. yes there could in fact there's one back there oh, on the back um, the, the occasionally one will appear and mm. I I always think it would be nice to do more but 
You know, making paintings is so hard that <laughs> something about it should be a little easier. And you know, I, I try to I have to follow what I'm what I connect with. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, sometimes I do some things out of a sense of duty, but more I'm just looking for a spark that I can, you know, um, use as the starting point for painting. Right. Um, but you know, of course, men are also complicated creatures, mm -hmm. and there there is a vulnerability that's not very visible usually. But mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure I could dig it out. <laughs> I'm curious to see that male figure somewhere back he's there. He's a weirdo. He's, he's very weird. <laughs> he's like an alien, sort of. Um, I, you know, when I was working from imagination, I was more of the the figures were more androgynous. Okay. They could have been read as men or women. Right. And there, sometimes there were men who were sort of they they, they were feminine men, though. I have not. not I'm not interested in hypermasculinity mm -hmm. as a shell. Right. And do you think that change, we talked about male, you know, gallery owners, and you've had more support from women in, in institutions. Um, do you think institutions need, and thinking of museums specifically, do they need to set a policy, you know, when they're, you know, working on acquisitions, for example, you know, setting that rule of equality for acquiring work by both men and women artists? Is that the route we should be taking? Um, I think conscious, consciousness raising is, the, is key. Right. Uh, I don't know about setting policies, mm -hmm. but, you know, if that, that's what it takes. I mean, you want to believe that it's all, you know, it's, it's the quality that, of the work that is important, but you need to have people who can see the quality of the work. Yes, yeah. So, for that reason, the consciousness raising is so important. Mm -hmm. And I think that's happening, but I do believe that representation, like, women have to be at the table. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you can't otherwise, you, how can you represent yeah. that perspective yeah. otherwise? Um, is there a, a book that marked, influenced you or marked your work, perhaps? Is there something that you read or an author you read who influenced you a little bit more? Maybe a book you find yourself going back to from time to time? In terms of my art could, making or just in general? Could be personal too, just in oh. general. Oh. <laughs> a book? Um, you know, I read The New Yorker. That's my book. Okay. Yeah. That's my book, and I just yeah. read it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so there isn't one specific thing. I love reading Peter Sheldahl's writing, though. He's okay. the art critic for The um, New Yorker, and mm -hmm. his writing is such a delight, and I'm just so impressed with how, he's, how he articulates what he's seeing. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it could be anything in, in that. In that uh, magazine, it just keeps my mind fed. Mm -hmm. Was there a point, and maybe it was earlier in your career, where you told yourself, "This is too much work. It's too difficult. I'm giving up. I'm gonna go back to dance, or go, you know, <laughs> go do something completely different." Never. No. No. I mean, I, as I mentioned, I started teaching right after I graduated. Yeah. So I've been in both the. The, the university um, sort of teaching environment as long as I've been an artist. Right. So 
um, that's my that's sort of been supporting me. Right. My my for my, although I'm retiring this year. Oh wow! Congratulations. Thank you. That's a big change. Um, I'm going to be an artist for the first yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> like, full time. Full time artist. <laughs> um, but because I've always had to exhibit in order to, it's my research. Okay. You know, within the university, that's your recognized yeah. as your research. So I've always had a very active exhibition record, mm. and that's allowed me to see my work in the public space, and that's allowed the work to evolve. And so I've, I've, I've had a lot of you know positive reinforcement from that mm. and encouragement because just exhibiting is somehow you learn so much from from that and and because I love doing it mm-hmm. I, I I never thought you know that I would stop mm-hmm. because it keeps unfolding and there's always something new right so that's why um, I don't think about stopping really. I worry mm-hmm. though because it is a physical activity. Yeah. yeah. I mm. sometimes worry what will I do if I, mm. you know, become unable to physically make work. Right, right. And then I, I sort of think, well, maybe I'll write something or mm. you know, maybe there's another way of, you know, being creative. Right. Right. I'm sure there is, but yeah. <laughs> whether well, I'll have the energy for it or not is yeah. another question. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, Hopefully you can just keep doing it until mm. you can't, until you don't, you're not alive anymore, <laughs> you know? Well, painting is a very physical medium, it that's is. for sure. It is. And when you're not painting or teaching, mm-hmm. what can we find you doing? <laughs> um, well, I go to the gym a lot. Okay, good. Yeah. Dancing. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. Still dancing. So, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I also am a hedonist. So I'm spending a lot of time eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if you go to the gym a lot, then it balances itself out. <laughs> I, I hope so. I don't know. But I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I don't, you know, the thing, this is the problem with making art. It wants all your time. Yeah. It's so consuming and you can never feel like you're doing enough. Right. So there isn't a lot of time outside the studio. I, my partner and I, who's all, my partner's also an artist and mm-hmm. we're, Sometimes I think, well, why don't we ever get vacations or like, where's the where's the like time off time? Right. And then and I always think, well, I do what I love in my time off, and what I love is making art. Mm. So it's like my yeah. work and my play are the same. But it is. I I shouldn't say it's all pleasure. I mean, there's a, there's it's a really it's really a torture to make paintings too. Mm. It's hard, and so sometimes I wish I could stop just for a while. But you can't. You get rusty. Right. <laughs> and was it a conscious choice you made to stay in Montreal, stay in Canada? Did you ever envision going to a larger market, New York, Europe? Well, I never was able to leave because of my job. Right. I have done residencies, though. I was did a residency in Paris and New York. Um, and I've had the opportunity to show in Los Angeles recently. So I am getting out of the country mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Um, and your work is definitely shown internationally. It is now, thankfully. Um, very exciting moment mm-hmm. that way. Um, but now that I have the freedom 
to go somewhere. I don't know. I you know Montreal is 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 home now. Mm. It's, it's, I've lived here longer than I've lived over anywhere else. Right. So I don't really envision leaving. I think this will be my base. Mm-hmm. Continue okay. continue to be my base. If you had to give advice to young, up and coming or woman, budding woman artist who wants to follow in your footsteps, mm. what would be your words mm-hmm. of wisdom for her? It would be. Um, Try not to be overwhelmed and by all this social media, mm, mm-hmm. which has created a lot of new opportunities, I think, for young artists. Right. But it's also so distracting. Yeah. You know, like, I, what I like is that I lived before social media, mm-hmm. so when I come to the studio, I can, for the most part, I can put it aside. Mm-hmm. It's not a constant presence in the studio, presence. And I think it's a bit problematic to be so distracted all the time. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, if you're, you need to concentrate and be meditative and find, create a space for that where you put that aside. Right. And then also don't be discouraged because it's a long road, you know, and you just have to, I ho- hopefully you love what you do enough that you just want to keep doing it for its own sake. Mm-hmm. And eventually that expresses itself in a way that people will see and respond to mm-hmm. so yeah and you have to like being alone too if you're if you're in a in the visual arts and having the exhibit at the mac so solo show um what kind of impact do you think that can have on your work your career you know exposure for i have no for idea i hope that it does have a bit of an impact but I mean, it already feel, it feels very significant for me because I have lived here for 20 years. Right. And it's my first solo show in a museum here. Yeah. I did have a solo show at UCAM, mm-hmm. which is a university gallery. But this is my first show in, the, in a museum, a solo show. So it feels big for me. It yeah. feels very significant. If we were able to fast forward, you know, 15, 10 or 15 years from now, looking back, What's the one thing you'll be the most proud of? Oh you think? <laughs> Your questions are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I think the thing that I'm I'm most proud of now, and will probably be most proud of then, still hopefully, is that um, is that I did what I loved. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure. You know, like and 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 sort of like staying the course and all the things that. Um, I mean, I don't know if I had a choice about that. So, can you be proud of something you don't have a choice of? But I'm not sure. But. Um, well, it could have been different. Yeah. You could have made a different decision, or again to you know, go do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're lucky to be doing what you love. I am. I, I feel so lucky, mm. and yet I'm so miserable usually. <laughs> That's a nice change. <laughs> I do feel so incredibly fortunate to have found something that, that I like doing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, not that many people can say that. I know. Mm. But um, proud, I don't know, proud what... <laughs> Well, I'll come back in 10 yeah, years and ask you. Yeah, come back you. in 10 years and, and then ask we'll know. me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of, like, you know, having made some good work. Yeah. 
you know, and that moved people. That, that yeah. if people were moved by my work, I mean, okay. that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it makes me proud, but it makes me happy. Do you ever have favorites? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And there's not that many. Okay. <laughs> like this is what I always am so uh, frustrated by is that I have to make so much work to make a few that I'm that for me are really you know, mm. exciting. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Does it happen that an old piece that maybe wasn't a favorite at first becomes yes. something you really yes, cherish? It really does. Mm. Um, in fact, there's one in the show that's coming up called Folding Woman, okay. which I made in 2009. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that much of it at the time. I thought, I, was not, I wasn't sure about it. And um, somehow later it became uh, one of the key works that gave me an opening into a whole other investigation, another mm-hmm. body of work. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, at the time I didn't think it was uh, crucial or even, I wasn't sure if it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then later it was like, okay, I, there's something there. I yeah. can go back and mine and... That's nice. Mm. I like that. It's a nice surprise. It's a totally nice <laughs> surprise. Like when something happens and then later on it's like you look back and you mm. think, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it does happen. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And a question I like to ask all my guests. <laughs> what do you wish women in general would do more of? What are they not doing enough of? Well, you know, you gain so much... Uh, power from seeing women in positions of power, you know, mm-hmm. that I guess I wish I wish more women would be drawn to put themselves in the spotlight mm-hmm. and you know in public positions, um, government, um, mm-hmm. because it's so inspiring to right. see women in positions of authority, power. Um, speaking, using, you know, their own way of speaking, their own language, um, and just seeing. I feel proud when I see women in the spotlight. Yeah, you know, it just, it just, it's inspiring and affirming. And so I wish, I wish women would. I mean, but what can you do about this? I mean, may are women not drawn to? to pursue that kind of those kinds of goals is it because they're preoccupied with other things you know mm. we I, I guess I wish for what's happening which yeah. is that women are stepping up stepping yeah. forward and we see them more often yeah you know and, and having voice and having yeah. power and decision making as you brought up earlier yeah it's it's so necessary yeah and so important mm. Well, Joanna, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today on The Brand is Female. And it's a pleasure seeing your studio and seeing all the the wonderful women around us. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's a pleasure talking to you. You have great questions. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'll be back soon with a new guest on the show. Thank you for listening.